As followers of Jesus, we are called to follow the ways of his kingdom. We know from scripture what things should look like, but we also look at the world around us and see a harsh reality of how things are. Through entertainment, social media, the unending news cycle, and even driving through our own communities, it is easy to see a culture that lives in stark contrast to the standard of God. How should we respond? How do we live? How do we represent Christ well in the places where faith and culture collide? As a pastor, we uh, sometimes walk people through As chaotic follow- moments in their life. I've, I've been with people in hospital rooms. I've been with people at gravesides. In courtrooms, I've been with people uh, by their side after an injury or maybe an accident. And I wanted to say, thankfully, and, and, and you guys keep driving safe and pray hedge of protection around you, but thankfully, I have not been called to many crash scenes in, in the last so many years that I've been in, in ministry. However, there's one that I'll never forget. I was pastoring in Atlanta, Texas, and we were we just had a work day at the church, and we were kind of wrapping things up, and people were leaving, and one of the teenagers and and, and his brothers had left, and uh, they we got a call uh, just a little bit after about 10, 15 minutes. I was I was actually right by one of their parents when the call came in that uh, that they had been in an accident, a one car accident on a farm to market road, uh, lost control of the truck, it rolled over. The older two had, uh, you know, they were able to, you know, they were in good condition. They were able to walk away. Uh, but the younger brother, uh, you know, he, he, was, he was struggling. In fact, they could see the bone that was break, the bone breaking through the little brother's skin. He was tore up really badly. And when I got there, the EMT said to me, he said, um, he's got a compound fracture. We can see the bone sticking out. And he said, um, I said, listen, um, is it okay if I climb up into the ambulance with him and, and can I pray with him uh, before uh, they weren't even going to take him by uh, road. They had the helicopter that was coming out. They'd cleared both sides of traffic in the farm to market road and land in the helicopter. And I could hear the copter coming in as I climbed up in the ambulance and, and me and this little boy were, were there. And when we, I began to pray, I, I began to pray for him. Now, I'm telling you, to look into the eyes of a child as they are hurting, it's heartbreaking. It's one of those things that that Bible college doesn't prepare you for. And I'm an emotional kind of guy, and I I just remember just being so heartbroken for this young man. And after the helicopter took off, I got in in the vehicle, and I I drove myself to the hospital so that I could be there with the family. And when I got there, they were preparing to to take him from that hospital because they could not handle his injuries and to fly him all the way to Little Rock to children so that that they could could, uh, work on him there. In spite of all of that, let me tell you how God was working. The first responders on the scene said compound fracture. They could see the bone sticking out. That's what he told me. Pastor, I can see the bone sticking out. But when they arrived at the hospital, there were no broken bones. Not a single broken bones. Now, you may choose to believe that the EMT made a mistake, but I just choose to believe that God performed a miracle. See, God can work in the collisions of your life. 
God can work right at the scene. He works in the physical elements that we face, but he also is very much at work in the spiritual battles that we will come against. He desires to be at the epicenter of the collision between faith and culture. And so today we're going to continue that series, Collide. It's where we've been studying the book of Daniel and how Daniel and his friends navigated a change in culture. Thankfully, we're not the first people in the world that have ever had to deal with a change in the culture around us. And since the Bible's our guidebook for living, we're going to look at Daniel to see how they responded. They, they, how they responded, if you remember the story, Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, we more commonly know those last three by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were among this group of youth that were taken uh, to Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem and took over. They, they trained in the language and the literature of Babylon. Uh, Daniel and his friends endured the testing of their faith when they were offered the food that were, was contrary to the law of their God. And they, and they stood firm. And God honored that. They had favor with the king. And so today, we're going to continue the story. We were in Daniel 1 last week. We're going to jump to Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. This is a story of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. We referenced this a little bit in week one of this series uh, two weeks ago, but I, I want to I just tell you the story this morning. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. It wasn't the pizza that he ate the night before. This was, this was something that was uh, supernatural. He called in his magicians, his enchanters, his sorcerers, his astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. Now, now you get this. He said to them, listen, you got to tell me what my dream is. You know, I know some of you husbands have gotten up in the morning and you've been in trouble for what your wife dreamed the, the last, the night before. I, I, come on, come on. Anybody in there with, uh, just me. I'm the only one that, uh, okay, come on. There's somebody, wives, don't do that. We didn't have any control of what you dreamed. We don't know what you're doing, uh, but don't do that to us. It, you know, we got to wake up from a nice sleep. And I can't believe you did that last night. And you said that in your dream. Uh, what? I, I, that wasn't me. I was over here snoring over here, all right? That's what's going on in my life. So he calls in the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and he says, hey, tell me my dream. And as they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. He says, I want you to tell me. They asked the king what the dream was, and Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, look, I'm not going to tell you that because you could just make something up. They, they, they tried negotiating with him, and, and he accused them of stalling for time, which I'm sure they were, or conspiring to fabricate some kind of meaning to the dream, and he insisted that they tell him what the dream was and what the meaning was. And in verse 11, they said, the king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among the people. He says, impossible. What you're asking us to do is impossible. Now, how many know that when you're, when you're the king and somebody tells you something's impossible, that you're, you're not going to react in a, in a right way? And Nebuchadnezzar didn't. He was upset. He was mad. In fact, he said, I want all the wise men to be put to death. And that included Daniel, 
and his friends. In verse 14, it says, When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. This is what we talked about two weeks ago. The NIV used the words uh, wisdom and tact. And, and Daniel acted, as we said, he acted with grace and he acted with truth. He went to the king. He asked for more time. He got his friends together. He got Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah together. He said, let's pray. And together they prayed. And in verse 19, it says, that night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. He said, praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength, and you have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king, king demanded. Basically, he's saying, God, thank you, because you are at work in the chaos that's surrounding me right now. So he goes to Arioch. He has to be taken to the king and that he could interpret the dream. In verse 26, it says, The king said to Daniel, also known as, by his Babylonian name, Belshazzar, Is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? And Daniel replied, There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. And King Nebuchadnezzar's dream was, it was about, and I'm not going to get into that this morning, it was about this great statue that was made of different types of metal. The head was gold, which represented Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Daniel interpreted those other materials as really four different kingdoms. Uh, that those king, In fact, those kingdoms have already risen to power, and, and some of them have, have fallen away, but they've all risen to power. And the statue would be cut down by a stone brandished by an unseen hand. How many know this? stone that, reject, that the builders rejected becomes the cornerstone. Can I get a good amen there? He said that that will, that will happen, that, that part of the vision is actually going to happen uh, when Jesus ultimately comes back, uh, the second coming of Christ, and, and we see him set up his, his kingdom on this earth. How many know that right now what we're seeing overseas uh, in Israel is setting us up for the second coming of the king? Amen. Nebuchadnezzar, he was pleased that Daniel had interpreted his dream. And here's what he did. He worshiped God. Verse 47, the king said to Daniel, truly your God is the greatest of all gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Now, that's the story. I've set it up for you today, and I want to share with you a few principles this morning that's going to help us in the collision between faith and culture. The first is this, is that God is in control, and he's working. God is in control, and he's working. How many know that when we turn on the news, sometimes it can feel like he's not in control? We can look at what's happening over in Israel with the Hamas and all of that. We can look at what's happening in our nation with the tension and the fighting and, the, and nobody can get along. We can't even get along with ourselves sometimes. I mean, it's just, it's all of this kind of stuff. And Daniel could have looked at his circumstances 
He could have looked at what happened. He could have looked at all that, and he could have said, where is God in this? Come on, have you ever woken up and you said, where is God right now? What is happening? Where is God in our world? Let's be honest. There's not many of us in this room that would have had someone look at you and say, the king sent me to kill you that would, would think God is in this situation. Daniel was in a tough spot. However, the lesson that we can learn here is that God is in control and he's working. Even when we're dealing with the collision between faith and culture, even when we're dealing with the chaos of our world, we're going to face situations, we're going to face circumstances that seem bleak. We're going to face trials, we're going to face uh, judgments, we're going to face these things that are going to come against the body of Christ, and we need to allow these obstacles not to be obstacles, but to be opportunities for God to move. We need to know that our chaos is a chance for God to show his power in, in our culture today. Church, he's still alive. Oh man, did I come to the right place today? I said he is still alive. He's still well. He's still the revealer of mysteries. He's still the miracle working God. He's still on the throne today. He is not dead. He is alive and he's working in spite of what's happening on the outside in our culture. So we need to allow him to work and to show his power. God is working. We're facing a difficult season in, 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 in our world right now with the Israel situation. I want you to know we have nothing to fear. God is in control. God is in control. You, you say, Pastor, this is a, spirit, this is a physical battle. I, I, I understand that. But let me tell you something. There's something spiritual going on behind the scenes. And the weapons we fight with are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And so in the midst of, his, in the midst of our, our trial, in the midst of our tragedy, in the midst of our circumstances, we have nothing to be afraid of. I'm reminded of the words of Job, Job 19, 25. You think about this. He's in the midst of a trial and a tragedy. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is when and Joel, uh, Job looked at his people, his friends, and he said, my breath is repulsive to my wife. And I said, that's every day in, in, the, in the posy house. So come on. I mean, he was bad. He's bad. Come on, y'all can laugh at that. That's all right. Every, every moment. He was dealing with grief. He had lost his livelihood. He had lost his, his, his kids. I, I, you know, I can understand maybe, you know, getting bankrupt. But then you lose your children. And your wife is saying, listen, why don't you just curse God and die? And in Job 19, he makes a bold declaration. He says, but as for me, but as for me, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last. In the Bible times, a Redeemer was a, a relative who graciously came to protect or defend or reclaim what was lost in times of trouble or opposition. How many know that our culture needs a Redeemer? Our culture needs somebody that will stand up. They need the God of heaven to stand up. And by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Job's testimony pointed toward Jesus. 
It pointed towards Jesus being the redeemer, that Jesus came to save people from their sin, to save them from eternal consequences, to free them from the fear of death, to give them eternal life. Job's words here are prophetic of Jesus' coming to the earth, the first time to give his life for us, and again, at the end of time, to defeat evil completely and forever. And with this knowledge, though, we can endure whatever our culture comes against us with, knowing that God is in control and that he's working, that he's setting us up for an end time. He has an end game in mind and there's something that's going to happen at the end of time. We can't. We don't have to get so consumed and worried. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Listen, I've read the end of the book. I know what's going to happen and I have something that's on my heart right now where Jesus, where Jesus said through John the Revelator, even so come quickly. Let it happen today. We can't get so doom and gloom about what happens in society right now. We got to look at the end. The Redeemer is coming. His time is drawing nigh. Come on, church. Can I get a good amen and a praise today for what God is doing in this place? So, so, so God is at work in our chaos. So what about us? What are we to do? We're to speak life into the confusion of our culture. Oh, pastor, we can't say anything. They're going to cancel us. They canceled Jesus. Yes, they're going to cancel us. If you're, if you're concerned about being canceled, then, you, then you're serving the wrong God. We get so consumed. Well, I'm afraid I'll lose my job. I'm afraid I'll do this. I'm not talking about going out and being a jerk. We talked about in week one, we're to operate in grace and truth. But the truth, the truth is the truth, is the truth, is the truth, is the truth. It's true. So we speak the truth in love. So we have to speak life into the confusion of our culture. Can you imagine the confusion that went throughout the land when the decree came down to kill every wise man? I mean, think about how many people went to those people. How many went to the magicians, to the enchanters, to, to the people, uh, and tried to get some sort of advice, and all, all of a sudden, everybody they're getting advice from, they're, they're, they're going to be killed. For Nebuchadnezzar, the wisdom of Babylon was not sufficient. Therefore, there was confusion. As followers of Jesus, the wisdom of this world brings confusion. We are to speak into the void of our culture. We are to speak truth and life and hope in that. Daniel was able through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to calm, to bring a calm to the turmoil in the land. In the book of Acts, we see chaos in the early church. The apostles, they were completely spread then. I mean, you know, they were running, they were trying to run this and they were trying to run that. And they were, I mean, you know, the church, it's not like today we've got, you know, we can go down to a, a bookstore and we can, you know, we can listen to tapes and podcasts. If we want to know how that we can assimilate and visitors in there, there's, there's books about there, there's podcasts, there's trainings, there, there's a, a plethora, if you will, of conferences that you can go attend and learn about how to do church. Acts chapter 2, when the, when the church was founded, if you will, and, and all of a sudden they did not know, they didn't know what they were doing. 
They didn't know what they didn't know. And all of a sudden you have these 12 apostles and the church is spreading rapidly. It's growing so fast and they don't know what they're doing. And, and they're having to lean on the Holy Spirit. And so these widows uh, were being discriminated against in the daily food distribution. It's like, hey, if you're, if you're over there from Como Picton, we're not going to serve you any, uh, any food. If you're in North Hopkins, you, you get some. If you're in Cumbie, well, uh, good luck. Uh, with you. No, I'm just kidding. That's the way it was. They were like, hey, we're, gonna, we're only going to serve certain people. We're not going to serve these. We're not going to serve that. And, and, uh, and so the apostles came and they said, hey, listen, we don't have time to do this. So here's what we're going to do. Verse 3, Acts 6. So brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. I want you to see something here. It wasn't a popularity contest. It was realization of a need to have people in key roles that were full of the spirit and full of wisdom. All believers have the opportunity to be filled with God's spirit and to rely on his wisdom. If we're going to impact our culture, church, we need to be full of the spirit and we need to be full of wisdom. An apathetic church will not impact our world. Let me say that again. An apathetic church will not impact our world. We need a church that is full of the Holy Spirit. We need a church that is full of wisdom. And you say, well, well, pastor, that's up to you. No, it's not. It's up to me to preach and, and to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, but it's up to you to get in your own prayer room and get full of the Spirit of God yourself. I cannot fill you with the Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just a pastor who can open up the door and give you an opportunity and to can speak life and wisdom. But it's up to us to be the church, to get on our face before God and say, God, God, I'm about to go to school today and I'm about to teach these kids. I'm, I, I need your wisdom. I need your Holy Spirit. God, I'm about to walk into this factory and you know that guy has been a jerk for me for the last 755 days that I have worked with him. And God, I need your wisdom and I need your spirit. God, you understand that I've got people all around me. I have got everything around me that's coming against me. I need your spirit and I need your wisdom. Our world needs a church that's live and well, full of the spirit of God, full of the wisdom of God that can respond in wisdom and with tact into the chaos and to speak life into our world. Can I get a good amen today? So we have to, we have to understand that, that our, our role then is not, is not to try to come in and, and, and make it like it was 30 years ago. Read the book. It's not gonna get better. But God is at work in the midst of the chaos. And he needs a spirit-filled church. He needs a spirit-filled body. And I'm talking about the big C. I'm not talking about just hope family, although we should be an expression of that. I'm talking about the big C, that we go out and we be Jesus with skin on, that we, we, we impact people, that we pray with the sick and they shall recover, that we lay hands on them and we see people come and be completely healed, that we take drug addicts and we walk them through the process so that they can be delivered and that they can have life and have it more abundantly just like we have. Listen, church, that's the kind of church that God's gonna need because I'm telling you, the Bible prophesies that there's coming a day where he's pouring out his spirit in a long way. And we'll get to that in a minute. I'm trying to get ahead. All right, let's move on. Number, number next, 
we should embrace our place in history. We should embrace our place in history. Daniel wasn't there by accident. He was at that place at that time to be the spokesman for God and to reveal the mysteries of the dream to the king. He wasn't there by accident. He was at that time and place in history because he needed. Listen, church, we're here right now because God needs us here in 2023. It's not because you couldn't handle the sand and the heat of, of the BC area and that you had to have air conditioning and you had to have a vehicle to take you everywhere. God puts you at this point in time in history because he has a mission and a mandate for you. He, you should embrace your place in history. Daniel 2.23, it says, I thank and praise God for you have given me. This is Daniel. He's saying, for you've given me wisdom and strength, and you have told me what we ask of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. I love that. He praised God for giving him wisdom and strength and for revealing to them what the king had demanded. We can long for the days of old when things were different. Man, we can. Or we can accept that God has us in this culture to be his hands and feet to the lost to a lost and dying, broken world. Man, I, I'll tell you, in, in the last 20-something years, we've seen the church change rapidly. We've seen how we've done things and how we do things, and it's changing rapidly. And I can tell you, as a pastor, I feel inadequate at times. Books that we read 10 years ago about church are irrelevant today because the culture has shifted. Because times have changed. I long. I, I I I get that. I long for the good old days. Oh man. I long for times and seasons where you just you just would plan an event and people would show up. I'm not throwing stones this morning. I'm just telling you how it is. We can understand that culture has shifted. I remember as a kid when when uh, everything was closed on Sunday. You remember that. You could, you could, you can go to a restaurant after church, but you couldn't go to Kmart. Couldn't go buy your tracks. <laughs> Come on. You couldn't go to Kmart. You couldn't go to the mall. And I remember when the law was changed and you could start doing that. And I remember, I remember seeing people have to, have to, have to go to work on Sunday because they no longer, they no longer had off. And then all of a sudden you have companies like Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A that have brought that back and said, you know, we're, we're going to do this. And God's honored them. And they make more in six days than most companies make in seven. I long for those days. I long for the days when you, you would uh, have Sunday school and people would show up at, at, for Sunday school and they, they, would dis, they would disciple. I long for the days when people saw it as, uh, as their ultimate responsibility to invest in the next generation and that we, we had enough leaders that we could have a boys club that did Royal Rangers and Missionettes and, uh, for the girls and, and, and we had all this. Listen, I'm not slinging stones. We live in a different culture. So we have to learn to do church differently. But the one thing that cannot change is us being who God has called us to be. 
So we can't just lament the fact that it's not like it was 25, 30, 40 years ago. We have to say, God, I'm here right now. I need more creativity. I need more wisdom. I need you to help me to lead. I need you to help me to be the book of Acts right here in 2023 to do what you've called us to do. And and, and listen, I, I want peace from the chaos. I want peace from the chaos. Jesus longed for peace from the chaos. In the days leading up to his crucifixion in John 12, 27, he says, my soul is deeply troubled. Man, I feel that at times. My soul is deeply troubled with what I'm seeing here in the United States of America and in Europe and in Africa, in our world today. My soul is troubled. And he says, should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? We have a church, we have a body of Christ that is great at praying for delivering us from this hour. And Jesus said it like this. He said, but this is the very reason that I came. This is the reason that I came. I came to die on the cross. I came to give my life. Church, God has got a mission for us. We have to embrace our place in history to say that God has called us, he's anointed us, and he needs us to be the church of Jesus Christ for this age, for this culture. We have to rise at the collision between faith and culture and stand in the gap for the lost and the broken and the hurting that need healing. We have to give them hope. We are where we're at in history because I want you to know that God created you for this moment. God created you this moment. There are times when I, when I say I was made for this. It's not, it's not an arrogance. It's not, a, it's not an arrogance. It's, a, it's an actual, oh me, oh my, oh my. And God said, I, 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 I've yachted you. I formed you for this moment. I've created you for this moment. I I have taken you for this moment. And not only have I taken you and created you for this moment, I have appointed you for this moment. We were made for this. So what's this? It's the time that we live in. It's a time of antagonism and deception. Write that in your notes. In Luke 21, Jesus speaks of the end times and he talks about the signs and I've done, I've done messages on that before, and you can go on our website and, or you can go on our YouTube page and find those that we've talked about the end times. But some of the signs are this, is deception, false messiahs, people, people claiming different things in different religions. We, we see uh, one of the signs is wars and rumors of wars. Right now we've got the conflict in Ukraine, we've got the Middle East conflict that just looks like it's going to blow even more any, any day. We have turmoil. And it's not just country against country, but it's race against race. It's, against, it's political party against political party. And that's just not a United States of America thing that's happening in other countries around the world. We've seen an increase in natural disasters Earthquakes, famines, plagues. We've seen an increase in the persecution of believers. We have missionaries that we can't even list the country that they're in for fear that they would die. Like, are they really that concerned about Hope Family Fellowship in Sulphur Springs? But if you Google their name, and it came up as a missionary, then they could, they could have terrible consequences. 
Persecution of believers is real. Luke 21, 28, Jesus said these words. He says, so when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up for your salvation is near. What do we want to do? We want to shut down. We want to close up shop. We want to run and hide. We, we, we want to protect ourselves. And Jesus said, listen, in the midst of your time of antagonism and deception, stand and look up because your salvation is near. Maybe your translation says your redemption draweth nigh. I believe we're living in the last days. But a time of antagonism and deception is not the only kind of time it is. It's also a time of harvest. We're going to see a move of God, church. When antagonism and deception increase, there's an opposite reaction that occurs. When antagonism and deception begins to come against us, an opposite reaction occurs, and that's that the church will rise up and revival will come. Well, we could take you to places across the world today where the church is growing rapidly in the midst of antagonism and deception. The church is growing rapidly. There are places that cannot have a hard copy of the word of God. They've literally taken, I've heard the stories where they've taken the literature, they've taken the, the printed pages and they've torn them out of one book. And, and so it would be like this, as, as I, I, I gave uh, John 1 through 3 to uh, Steve and he gets to read it this week. And then I give John 4 through 6 to Joey and he gets to read it. And then, and then Garrett and Courtney, they get Ephesians and then Jeremiah and Audrey, they might have uh, a part of First Kings and then... You know, in the Harwis family, they get to have a little bit of the Psalms, and Joe and Carrie get to have some Proverbs, and we, we, we distri- uh, disseminate that throughout all of the people, throughout all of the church. And then when we come back together this next week, you know, because he doesn't have this whole Bible, Steve is just, he's, he's just devoured John 1 through 3. He's just read it and read it and read it and read it and got it down in his spirit, and he brings it back, and then somebody gives him, Joey gives him what he's been reading, and then Garrett gives Joey what they been reading and then Jeremiah gives Garrett what they've been reading and they pass out on the word of God because they only have one Bible for the whole church. Think about that. I've got 155 probably on my shelf and I carry around, I carry around Bibles and commentaries with me. I can access them from my iPad. I can access them from my phone. I can access them from my computer. I have study notes. I'm spoiled. I can get there and I can type in a word and it will tell me where it's at in the Bible. I can do a Google search and say, where is this located? And it will tell me real quickly. I don't have to do the things that some of the others have, but I have this opportunity to allow the word to get in my heart and in my life and church I'm going to tell you it may take a little bit of antagonism and deception for the church of Jesus Christ in America to wake up 
I think a little persecution might do us a little good because we, we, we would call on the Lord even more. We're comfortable. We're comfortable. Pastor, you, 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 you're meddling today. Now I'm speaking truth and love. Because if we're going to make a difference at the collision between faith and culture, we're going to have to rely on God more than we ever had before. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says, And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Ooh, we, we have that right now. The deception in the body of Christ. says, verse 12, sin will run rampant. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. In verse 14, he said, in spite of all of this, and, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Then the end will come. There's still nations today that don't have the message of hope. There's still nations and, and, and sometimes the word nation there doesn't mean, a, you know, we've put it into our, our, our map and, and we think of, you know, you know, this nation and that nation but think of the times and the seasons when they were in. There weren't as many uh, defined boundaries, if you will, for, for nations. And the nations have changed over the last 2,000 plus years. America was not here when Jesus was walking this earth. There was no United States of America. It's only been around for a couple hundred years. Nations have risen and nations have fallen. But it's talking about people groups. There are still people groups that have not heard the message of Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, with technology today, the fact that we could get on a plane and we could, we could get on a plane and be in Africa tomorrow changes, changes things, changes things, changes things. Think about that. Watched, watched my team yesterday, Baylor, played in Cincinnati. I want to show you how fast this stuff happens. They played in Cincinnati. The game was over about 2.30, 3 o'clock, somewhere in there. Maddie got home last night. She left. She left uh, Kilgore. We were with Sasha's family yesterday. And uh, when she drove into Waco at about 7 15, 7.30. She drove down University Park's drive there and the football team was coming back on buses. They had already showered, got all their stuff, got on a bus that took them to an airport, got on an air, air, airplane that took them to Waco, got on a bus, came there in less than five hours. In less than five hours. How many know that in this day and age, in this time and season, that things can move at a rapid rate and it's only going to get faster? And he says, and the good news will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. 
we could see this happen in our generation. Daniel and his friends impacted their culture. They prayed, they heard from God, they spoke life into the chaos. Church, we don't know how much time we have. 2 Peter 3.10 says, and would you stand with me as I read this this morning, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Woo! What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Come on, can we just pray that way this morning? Would you say, Father, would you help me to live a holy and a godly life? Would you help me to speak life into the culture? Would you help me to speak life into the turmoil of our day? Father, I pray right now, Lord, we want to be a church full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. We want to be a church that's alive and well. And God, I ask this morning that you would, you would help us to speak uh, life into the chaos of our culture. God, that you would help us to speak life into the chaos of our culture. I pray this morning, God, that you would use us in a, in a mighty way, Father. God, I'm asking you right now, God, that you would help us use us. Use us. How many want to be used by God today? Come on, would you just would you just lift your hands right where you're at? And would you say, God, would you use me, God, to speak life and hope in this, in this culture of chaos? God, would you help me to live a godly and holy life? Oh, God, we worship you today, Jesus. We worship you today. God, we worship you today. Father, I pray, God, that you would do a work. God, start with us. God, start with us. God, we're, we're a people that are tender to you. We're a people that, that are tender to you and tender to your spirit. God, I pray that you would use us for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to, we're going to um, have friend day. We're gonna have barbecue, it's gonna be good. We're going to have bounce house set up for the kids to jump on and their friends to jump on. It's going to be a lot of fun. But here's what I, here, here, here's the whole reason we're doing this day. Because we need to throw out the net. We need to throw out the net. We need to, we need to have an opportunity and we need to go fishing a little bit. Jesus said, I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. So we're going to invite people that day. We're going to give an altar call for salvation. And, and we're going to have people that are giving their life to the Lord. Sue, Sue told me this morning, she said, Pastor, we're running low on our visitor thing. So I, I, I got some stuff together. So we'll do new visitor bags. So we're going to have plenty of visitor bags for that. We're prepared. We're going to have good food. We're going to have fun. But we're going to, we're going to see people come to know Jesus that day. So I, I'm asking you right now to help me pray for that. I want some of you to stretch your hands here and some of you stretch your hands here. You, you say, Pastor, what are these boards? We've, we've identified names of people that we're praying for. Maybe you haven't had a chance yet. There's a cards over here. You can write that down and you can stick it, uh, pin it on here after service this morning. 
but I, I want us to take a moment and I want us to pray and ask the Lord of the harvest, one, to send forth laborers, but ask him to give you the strength and the anointing and the boldness to reach out to your friends. Come on, would you join me in prayer today? God, I thank you, Lord, that you've called us. You've called us and you've commissioned us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. And I ask God that you would anoint your church for such a time as this. God, let us not grow weary in well-doing, but let's take another grip with our old tired hands and let's do it one more time. God, let's invite our friends. Let's invite our family. And God, let's just fill this house. Let us fill the parking lot. Let us fill the fellowship hall with children. Let us fill this place with people that need the message of hope. And I ask God that you would touch every name that's on this board. And God, that, that when, their, when their response might be a no, God, just let them say yes. Just let them say yes. And when I give them the altar call that morning, God, let them say yes. God, pr- begin to prepare them. Begin to mold them. And begin to shape them. In Jesus' name. And God's people said... Church, oh, listen, we uh, we have never had issues with the company that we're using. Never that we use for printed material. We've been using them for nine years. In fact, I've been using them for longer than that because I used them when I was in Texarkana. And so I've been using them for 14 years. Have never had them uh, have any issues with anything. Pastor Ben ordered our, our invite cards weeks ago and they, they were supposed to be here way before last Sunday so that we could put those things in your hand. And I just want you to know that, that they're not here. Hopefully we have them next week. We're trying. Pastor Ben's trying. He does a great job. And we want to put something in your hand. So we don't have that. So you're going to have to, you're going to, have to do it without a tool until next week. Well, we do have a tool. It's called our Facebook page. Pastor Ben's created an invite page there. Uh, we will share it over the next several days. Go in there and invite your friends. You, Pastor's gonna, Ben's going to share it now. He's going to let you know. We're going to share it uh, there. If you will invite your friends, I, some of you this morning, uh, I, I, I started on that tomorrow or the next day. I'll go through the rest of our church list and make sure that uh, I've got it. So if, you're, if your spouse got one and, and, uh, and you didn't get one, I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings or anything. I just haven't gotten to your name yet in the alphabet, all right? Uh, so we'll get there. We're going to walk through it. We're going to help you. But we need you to invite your, your friends, you know, because the days of us just doing something and people showing up is, is no more. We've got to go out in the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. Amen? So I want you to do that. Uh, Hopefully next week we'll have the invite cards, but help us out on social media. Uh, For those of you uh, who don't have social media, uh, word of mouth is a great way. We want to pack the place out this that morning. I want to pray for you today as, as we leave. Uh, today we have some that are that are sick and, and ill. Uh, and so, you know, some of the regulars that you see, some of our leadership team that you don't see, uh, there's some illness uh, in some. And, and then we, we've had a family uh, uh, surgery this week that Sasha is doing. Everything's going to be good and fine and wonderful. Uh, not with her, but with a, fa- a family member. And so if you, if, uh, if you don't see uh, certain ones around today, just know uh, they're, they're, 
they're dealing with something in, in their life. And maybe shoot a text, give them a call, let them know that you missed them. If you see somebody that's not here today, always do that. That's a good thing. People expect it from me. They don't expect it from you. But it's not, and, and so when I do it, it's just, oh, pastor did it. That's his job. But when you do it, they're like, oh, wow, they really care. And so that's a, a great secret. If you can help me out uh, to, to just see people and shoot them a message, let them know uh, that you care. Uh, that, that always is a big, big deal uh, to them. Let me pray over you today. Father, I pray for these that are dealing with sickness and, and, and maybe recovering from surgery or recovering from illness. We, all, we have others that are dealing with that. And I just pray, God, that you would, you would just bless them, that you would, uh, you would heal their bodies. God, those that are watching today that are home, that are dealing with sickness and illness, I pray for healing over their life and over their body in Jesus' name. I say be healed in Jesus' name. And Father, for our church that's gathered together today, I just pray for blessings over them, those in person and online. I pray that you would bless them and keep them, that you would make your face shine down upon them. You'd be gracious to them and give them peace in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. God bless you today, church.